Awesome. Let's see this. What time is it for you? 10 a.m. Oh, that's good. You're enjoying your coffee. Yeah, morning coffee. Where are you at? I'm in France. Oh, nice. South of France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what about you? In Boulder, Colorado. That's awesome. Were you originally from there? No, originally from California. I did a little bit of research and listened to a couple of things. So I, I know that you've you've been around, moved around a little bit. So might be a, a long answer, but how did you end up in Colorado? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, originally because of an ex-girlfriend, like probably eight years ago now, nine years ago, but made a really good group of friends out here and then came back after I uh, spent some time traveling for crypto and stuff. And now we all run businesses together and shit. Oh, that's really cool. So that is that, do you think that's home for you? Yeah. Yeah. I love it here. It's fucking awesome. I live on a river. There's like literally a river right outside. So I just like cold plunge in the river every day and chill and relax. It's fucking awesome. It sounds like it. I, I've seen a few pictures. Uh, Colorado looks, it looks so beautiful. Yeah. It's fucking great. Yeah, I've only ever been, I lived in Toronto for a bit. So I, I, I went to New York because it was so close, but I've never actually spent much time in the u.s and and i think colorado is like one of the top places i i think I, i'd go to it's just peaceful bro you know mm. like i love living in the mountains and i love like like town's only five or ten minutes away so it's not like i'm crazy far away from anything but like i also don't have to deal with like create like i was just in la last week and it's just a fucking shithole out there mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> looks like it with any of that madness get that man yeah i i was really excited about having this conversation first of all thank you you're so like it's always such a surprise when you reach out to dope people who have like a big platform and who have this reach and who you reach out to them hopeful they're like yeah for sure let's do it like you did it's so yeah it's it's really heartwarming to to see this level of compassion and and just like going with the flow so thank you so much i really appreciate it yeah no problem bro i uh i enjoy doing these things they're fun i bet it, and it, and especially because yeah like reading about you a little bit then i also took a stab at listening to that uh, podcast you did very recently and the our paths although you're it feels like you're one a cycle ahead of me But our, our paths are a bit like mimicking each other based on the the interests that we have, like spirituality and the going through hospitality as a like training ground and 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 psychedelics and then yeah, obviously Web3 now. So yeah, that's uh are you are you aware of do you know about Joseph Campbell's uh The Hero's Journey? Yep. Mm -hmm. It's been an important book for me the past few months. Because it, it helps, you know, like kind of take a step back from your life and 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 realize, all right, like I'm my own hero and my own journey. And so, like, of course, I'm going to face struggles. And we all have our story arc, but yours is just like it goes to extremes <laughs> yeah, it does. in the past in the past few years. Can you like can you tell me about we, we'll, we'll go through the rest of your of your past because it's there's so much interesting stuff that seems to have happened to you like can you tell me more about like that last part of the arc where you started at the bottom went to the top drop back down and then and then started doing your thing again 
Totally. Yeah. I am assuming you're talking about kind of this last bull run slash bear run, uh, portion. Like right before I got into the, this last bull run, I was pretty late to it. I was probably like six or eight months late. Uh, and that was mostly because when I was shill nigh, uh, it was like my profile before this, um, I had gotten like a shit ton of hate on the internet. I had no idea how to deal with it. And so like, it just overwhelmed me and I just left. And I didn't really like have any understanding of like how to navigate that at the time. Um, and so I went back to what I love to do, which is make music. It's just something that's like always been very close to my heart. I'm a pianist since I was like five years old. And as I was kind of doing that, other people invited, started to invite me back in the industry again. Like one of my buddies hit mm-hmm. me up. He's like, I want you to have, like help me run this marketing company. Uh, or I want you to run marketing for my company. I, like you're the best marketer I know. I was like, sure. Yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. Why not? You know, I needed money to pay for music anyway. I was working with some big producers and they cost a lot of money. And um, I had no other real like major financial means at the moment. So I was like, sure, why not? Mm -hmm. Like, let's play the game again. And as I got back into it, I like helped him build his company, was working on the marketing end. and, And at the same time, I was also kind of like just dabbling back on Twitter again. You know, like watching, seeing what coins were going well, seeing what NFTs were doing well, Mm. all of that different stuff. Um, And that's the reason the function profile got created was because I saw like I had a Solana profile at the time um, and I saw a ton of people talking about Bored Apes and I saw a ton of people uh, talking about like uh, what were they called? Wicked craniums, you know, Mm. there were the skulls and they were super fucking sick. And I was just like watching and observing community form in a unique way that I'd never seen before. Uh, you know, through 2017 to 2020, 2019, like if a community was forming, it was around a coin, but there was no actual real connection factor for humans to be able to connect within that community beyond just believing that the coin was going to do well. Um, so people would come in and out of communities a lot more frequently. It would be a lot more rapid, you know, like, coin doesn't go up in a couple of weeks. All right, I'm selling it and I'm no longer XRP gym. I'm going to just be like crypto gym, you know? Mm, absolutely. Um, and so that was, it was an interesting observation for me because I really saw how the board apes were coming together, how they were kind of coordinating with one another and how they were actually really like genuinely supporting one another. I thought that was really interesting. So that was like really why I started the function profile was to buy a board ape, join the community, fuck around, see what was going on, like see what was like happening. And it really like I never intended for the account to grow large. Um, really like my like my intention for the account in the very beginning was just like to have exposure in the market and on mm. the social scene because I, I wanted a like place that I could observe like trends happening and I could observe like what was going on with the NFT market. And then once I got in the account and once I started to communicate with the community a little bit, I realized like there was a, there was another opportunity for me. Um, you know, there there had been parts of myself that I hadn't like fully expressed before online or in, in, in public, you know, and um, that's what's function kind of became for me for a very long time was this exploration of like, if I hit someone with a dick joke online, like it, like, are they going to like freak out or am, you know, like what's going to happen, you know? And it was kind of like a, 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 or if I start to like stand up for myself in different ways that I like previously hadn't done where, you know, when someone wants to talk shit, like normally I'd be like, 
I try to do my best just to be like, oh, like I'm going to have compassion for him. He's like in a bad place, you know, but at the same time, like if I'm not actually standing up for myself against that, I wasn't able to like navigate the use of my sword for lack of a better word. Yeah, that makes sense. Is that what you got out of the previous cycles hates that happened to you? Is that, do you think that's the major breakthrough? That was one of the major breakthroughs for sure. Cause I could see that like people that were talking shit were just in a bad place. Like, like there's no reason mm. to ever judge a human that you don't know and then curate an entire story in your head about them and then just spew hate at them constantly. Like, yeah, it's, it's, if you think about it in that terms, it's actually literally illogical. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. No rational, logical yeah. sense at all. And I was the one experiencing it, so I didn't really understand mm -hmm. it. You know, I wasn't like I was. I, I understood it on a logical perspective, but I like wasn't able to like actually really embody the like place where I wanted to be, which was of like course not compassion for yeah. them, things like that. Uh, and then this cycle, when I when I was functioning, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna take a different perspective to it. Like I know to have compassion for them, but at mm -hmm. the same time, like I need to defend myself. I need to have a sword. I need to have a shield. Like in this fucking spiritual battle that we're in. And, so, and did you take, oh, sorry. Uh, this is like, this fascinates me. It, did you take conscious steps and methods in order to navigate this? Or is this something that happened naturally and subconsciously? A little bit of both, you know, a lot of it was like subconscious, but uh, like, I specifically remember like when I was starting to like grow on Twitter as function, I specifically remember talking to myself and being like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to explore this other side of myself that I haven't really like deeply explored and I haven't ever really deeply expressed, you know, like internally I could like navigate it to a decent degree, but it was like, I'd never really learned how to utilize, like how to like thin that barrier between the yeah. internal and the external and actually express what was going on for me in the moment, you know? Um, and as I started to do that more, my, my like profile just got more attention. You know, I think people were like, Oh, this guy's actually being real. Like he actually like is, is like standing up for himself and he's talking shit and he's having fun. And he's vulnerable. Totally. Which is like, that's what I let. That's one of the stuff I love the most about like your online presence. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. And that, that the vulnerability honestly has like been more of an evolution over the last couple months because like in the bull run, I was just more like trying to like cut down all the bullshit, you yeah. know, um, and not letting people kind of like attack me for no fucking reason and starting to really stand up for myself and like regain like dignity with the community, but also regain like my own personal dignity and my own personal self-respect. You know, you let people beat you up for too long. You let people talk shit or judge you and like, if, if you don't say something, eventually you start to believe it, you know, and you're like, Oh, well maybe I am. A yeah. <laughs> and I know, I know I'm not, I know I'm a fucking great human. So I was just like, was, it was an opportunity and still is an opportunity for me to learn how to like have the right defenses up to navigate in such a like mm. harsh and volatile, volatile ecosystem. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't even call those back. It, it's more of a, like, because there's this thing of like push and pull in the universe and our relationships and defense is like, you attack me, I'm going to fight back, which in your case is just like, and, and I think like, it seems like one of the reasons you blew up so much is that 
you're being your true self. You're just being yourself. You're just, if someone is throwing something at you, you're just like throwing back in their face. Like, yeah, no, like what you're, you're, what you're projecting onto me is that's not it. This is who I am. And, and I'm going to be a dick. I'm going to send you, I'm going to, I'm going to send you dick jokes. And, and like, because defense is, is really when you get hurt. Yeah. Which you don't seem to that much. Anymore. I think there's a d difference between defense and defensiveness, you know, mm. like when I say defense, yeah, I mean sense. more of just like making sure that it's exactly what you say, like, like being myself and not wavering to the opinions or the perspectives that other people have of me. Mm. When you get defensive, it's when somebody actually starts to poke and prod at your insecurities and then you have to attack them back because yeah. you're insecure. Um, and there was also a little bit of that mixed in as well. You know, I'm still like a human. I'm still learning to yeah. navigate all of it. Um, never ending process. And that's kind of been the process with function 2.0. Like I, I made a couple posts about it, but really what that means to me is like an integration of all the parts rather than like only being a dick or only being like compassionate or only being this mm -hmm. or only being that. Because like as a human, I have like so many different like ways that I've created myself and like so many different pieces and parts that encompass who I am. And Function 2.0 is kind of like bringing all of those parts together in a way that's actually formatable and formidable in, in the real world. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, there's this whole thing of like persona building, which people take in and are like, all right, I need to build my persona. I need to build how I'm going to look like online. And so it creates one of the things that you said on that previous podcast was is something that I've personally thought of, but haven't managed to do. Cause I, I think I use Twitter, but inside pretty much hate Twitter is it's become an extension of you. And so for you, there's not this dissonance that there is in millions of people of who they are and who they're trying to be, which like plays into the ego, it plays into the inner feedback loop. And so, it's not, yeah, it's not a surprise that people vibe with you and that you're, that you seem fulfilled on this, uh, on this leg of the journey. Totally. Yeah. And it's been a big journey, you know, I mean, I made a bunch of money and was like, got a lot of attention last bull run. You know, I had like all these celebrities in my DMS and rappers being like, yo, how do I do this NFT stuff? T tell me about it, bro. You know? <laughs> And to a degree, my ego actually did get like enlarged too too much, which is kind of why mm. I think I, I lost all my money was because I just got into this place where internally my intentions were still very good and I was still like navigating the world the best I could. And on the external, like I actually like it's interesting because the way I kind of look at it is I actually got like when you get so much validation from who you like are perceived mm. to be naturally the ego just wants to repeat the same things that you did to get that validation. And since I still like hadn't, and, and even to a degree still haven't, I'm still learning, but at that point I still hadn't fully encompassed like my ability to accept all of myself. Hmm. You know, there were still parts of me that were like, I was pushing away in my subconscious and just being like, ah, it's okay. I don't want to look at that. Like I'm this guy now, you know, um, which is what food function 2.0 is about is like encompassing all of it. But since, since I was, wasn't really like fully accepting like all of the parts, then I got stuck actually a little bit in the 
parts of myself that were getting validated, you know? And so as I started yeah, to like get more and more attention and more and more money, I started to, to notice I was just being a dick for no reason. You know what I mean? Uh, sometimes unprovoked, you know, which mm. like isn't really who I am. I'm not really a person that like wants controversy or like wants to fight for no fucking reason. Like if you come at me, like I'll come back at you. Don't, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but mm. I have no intention <laughs> of like going out and like starting fights and, being a dick just so I can get a little bit of attention here and there, which I think like a lot of people do. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I was just kind of like sitting back and just like, like observing a lot of that throughout this bear market and realizing how parts of myself had gotten stuck within like the way that other people perceived me rather than who I actually was. Uh, and started to see that like, while the quote unquote dickish side of function uh, of, of myself was, was true. Like that's part of who I am. Like, I want to be able to like say what's on my mind. Mm. I want to be able to like stand up for myself or stand up for the things that I believe in. I believe that's like very, very important as a man in this world. Like I also learned that I probably wasn't doing it as strategically and as skillfully as I, as I possibly could. And I had been almost ignoring or putting aside like a part of my heart that really cares and really like cares about people, cares about the industry, cares about what I'm building, cares about like the way that like, it, quite frankly, the way that I'm viewed as well, you know, um, yeah. and, and my reputation per se. And so it was like a lot of the bear market has been just like a massive humbling experience for me to realize like, A, like I had put money like way too high on a pedestal, you know, and had like, I had fallen into the traditional trap that most people fall into when they make money is now all of a sudden I'm a better person because I have money. That makes no fucking sense. And it's not mm. true. Uh, and I'd fallen uh, into that a little bit. And then also be just like noticing how like I hadn't built the necessary structures in my like spiritual body or my physical body or my mental body to even like hold or withstand uh, the pressure that a lot of finance and a lot of attention brings you. Um, and I think that's what happens to a lot of people is like you end up in this place where you get a lot of money or you get a lot of attention and then all of a sudden everything starts to collapse in around you. And so I'm actually really grateful for the experience of losing most of my money, of kind of going dormant for a little bit in the bear market because it brought me back into remembering like more of what I really give a fuck about. Um, and it brought me like, it brought me back to be able to encompass more of the pieces together rather than just like getting stuck into one piece and not being able to like move through it, you know? And so I do. like, I think, I think it's in, a, in the Bible, it says like, I don't know the exact quote, but it says like, God, God says to be quick to anger, but also be quick to release it, you know? And so like, that's been like a big practice for me is like not allowing myself to ignore the anger, but also not allowing mm -hmm. myself to get stuck in the anger when I'm there and allowing myself to just like release it, let it go or any emotion per se, really. Um, and that's been a little bit of a ramble, but that's kind of like what function. I love it. Yeah. That's what function. If that's if that's what you do when you ramble, you 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 keep doing that, and I just listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what function 2.0 means to me. Is like, how do I encompass more of who I am, 
And also, how do I accept more of who I am? Because I realized mm. that in my old profile and even as function for a while, like people were poking at my insecurities and it was causing me to react. And so it's like, how do I like the only way for to actually resolve that is to accept all of the parts of myself that I don't accept. And now as I'm accepting Amen. more of them, I, I'm realizing like people can say whatever the fuck they want. I'm not really tripping on it, you know, like keep talking shit about whatever I've done in the past or my spirituality or this or that, go for it. Like have a, have a fun time. Like mm. I love myself. I know who I am and I, I am, I'm okay with every single thing that I've done. Do you know who Peter Crone is? I know. I've never heard that incredible guy. And, and you particularly, I think would love him. Uh, his nickname is the mind architect. I think this is the quote that I've like repeated, told people the most in the past four or five years. And he's, he says something along the lines of life will uh, bring you events and relationships that show you or you're not free. And this is exactly what you've been describing. Yeah. And, and what this ties into that popped out to me when you were talking was we all have our internal feedback loop for like self-love and validation. And for a vast, vast majority of people, and that's not their fault, it's largely due to the society that we live in that has been kind of built that way for various reasons. The feedback loop is mostly based on like outside metrics. You were talking about, yeah, I'm being a dick uh, and it's get, it's getting me likes and it's getting me more attention. Like, of course, I'm. this is going to be my comfort zone. And because we're such like subjective animals, it takes you weeks or months to realize it because your mind has said, all right, like this is my metric for validation. It's likes, it's follows, it's uh, dope people messaging me in my in my DMs. So I'm going to keep doing that. But what's missing is what is really important and what you seem to embody like very deeply. And it is like you're really letting it come back inside and you really question it. What are what are practices? What are what's advice that you would give someone who is either in your position of like starting to make it, starting to see success in their life and to make sure that they like keep their feet into the ground and, and, and don't go through that very valuable lesson, but also very painful, I assume. Yeah. I mean, for me, a lot of it is like patience, you know, it's kind of a buzzword, but in reality, like what I mean by that is like, when things, when life starts to come at you quickly and starts to bring you more and more and more opportunities or more and more attention or whatever it might be, like I'm learning a lot how to be slow in making the decisions around those. It's something I definitely haven't mastered. It's something that I'm definitely still working on deeply. But I realized like very recently that while some opportunities may be financially beneficial or like beneficial to clout and attention and all of those games, they might not actually be beneficial to what I really want. And one of my deep practices, it's something that I'm, uh, again, I'm, I'm really working on is like being as grounded and as rooted in like my desire of what I actually want in my life and allow that, like allow my choices and my decisions to kind of formulate around that. For a very long time, I had no idea what the fuck I wanted for 
the majority of my life. I had no fucking idea what I wanted. And I would just try new things out and I'd be kind of just like, I'm going to do music or I'm going to do some crypto stuff. I'm going to do all of this. I'm going to test out different waters and see what like kind of like sparks and inspires my heart the most. Hmm. And now like a lot of my practice is like, as I'm learning more about that to be slower in my decision making so that I can be more in like connection with myself when I'm actually making the decision, you know, cause a lot of the times I, I can fall into like the hype or the excitement in the short term and just be like, Oh, well this looks fucking sick. This is like fucking awesome. And then like later on, after I've made the decision after I've been down the road a little bit, I'm like, is this really what I want to be doing? Or is this really how I want to be spending my time and my energy? And if you do that, it can get really confusing. So a lot of my, uh, like, I guess one of my main pieces of advice is just to be like patient with yourself and realize like, A, like you're exactly where you need to be. And then B, like, you just don't need to compare yourself to other people. You know, I did, I spent a lot of my life comparing myself to other people and watching and observing how their lives were going, perceiving that they were happy or how I was perceiving that they were successful or whatever it was without knowing their deeper intentions without knowing their own internal experience. You know, a lot of people with a smile on their face are absolutely fucking miserable. And so, yeah, that's been the the second really deep, deep piece of advice is like learning what you want and then like navigating through that without like, and doing, doing your best. Cause I think like you can draw inspiration off of other people, but it's not always about like trying to compare yourself to them and then become like them, you know? Or become the same as them yeah again with the internal feedback loop really a few years ago i had a major breakdown major burnout depression like everything you want to call it and i realized that i had very misguided discipline and that i was overtly analytical in the way i lived my life and somehow four years ago, I think I made this decision. All right. Like my brain is not really serving me. Like my me analyzing every situation and trying to like to get the best objective outcome out of every situation. And so I decided I'm going to train my intuition and I'm going to start to rely only in my intuition. And I think this is what you're describing to me as well, because the loudest voice is not always the best one because there's hype, there's FOMO, there's other people telling you something, which is a big, big thing in our, in our specific industry and, and listen to the quieter, deeper, more grounded voice that might not be the best objective solution, but it is, that is definitely the best solution for you. Does that resonate? hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's been a big big part of my practice is like mo- every like a lot of people are always talking about hustle mentality, you know, and that means to like constantly be working and constantly grinding until you're successful. I actually don't take that approach. It's not that I don't work because I put a lot of time and effort into the things that I do, but I don't work to the point where like I'm disconnected from myself. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people do that. They sit on the computer all day and they're like, I have to find something to do or else I feel unproductive. I'm more in the standpoint of like where a lot, a lot of my time is like spent laying around during the day, to be honest with you. And like not in an unproductive way where I'm just like napping or just like zoning out and not doing anything. No, like a lot of my time is just sent like spent focused on my breathing and spent, spent like focused on like navigating 
like my internal world and like building up like energetic centers where I can hold things to a greater degree and stay. I love this. Yeah. Right. Stay a little bit more like focused and, and energized because I realized that like action's great. You can act as much as you want, but sometimes if you start to like, if you're unaware of your insecurities and you're unaware of how they're leading you, then your actions actually become irrelevant and sometimes uh, deter you from your actual goal because you'll just be scattered everywhere. You're like, Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this, you know? Um, and so I like, I like do my best to take very intentional actions and work when like I need to work rather than work all the time and think that I need to work all the time. And a lot of that's just revolved around me. Like, like it's 10 30 AM here. You know what I mean? Like usually I'd be up at 6 AM. I'd be working out. I'd be like doing all the stuff. It's not to say I, I don't do my morning routines. I do. I have good morning routines, but like 30 minutes before this call, I could have like banged out a hundred emails and done a bunch of stuff. But instead I just like laid on my couch and was just like, okay, cool. I'm just going to like sit, sit down and just like breathe and relax my body Mm. and just get ready for the interview. You know, how did you learn that? Did you have like major inspirations or like, yeah, people you've listened to or things you've done that have let you to have this approach? Yeah. Really good mentors (laughs) and really Mm. good friends. Like my friends are, uh, some of my friends are my mentors, you know? And through like, through their guidance and also through some like very deep and challenging times that like I could have tried to hustle to get out of, but it doesn't like, it would have resulted in me still feeling like complete shit, no matter how much money I had. I realized that like, it's like the game of life is much more of an internal game than an external game. And I think a lot of people like weigh heavily on the external they weigh heavily on what they have to do outside. I weigh, I, I weigh a lot more heavily on what I have to do inside. Uh, because when I feel good, like things come to me. Yeah. Events happen. People I'm supposed to meet, I meet. You know, It's almost like a, a silent alignment with God. You know, and like the more that I can like continue it's to kind of like almost it is. Yeah, it is exactly. And it's like, mm. it's more I can like align myself and be like, like relaxed and patient and, and things like that. Like that's, that's honestly when I've made my best trades as well. Like when I'm like laying around and I'm just like relaxing and then one moment I'm like, all right, let me get on Twitter. And all of a sudden I'm on Twitter and somebody's talking about some coin. It's the first post. And I you think. know, and yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, cool. I guess I'll just take a little bet on that. Throw a couple hundred bucks in like lay mm-hmm. around a couple days later. It's worth a few grand, you know, like that's how a lot of the majority of my capital was curated last bull run was me just being really relaxed and going with the signs rather than searching for the signs. And I think that's like, I think that's a, why people get kind of stuck in crypto is they're always looking for something. And then B that's also why I think like I was just in an argument with some guy on Twitter. He's bragging about how much money he has. And I'm just like, I don't really care how much money you have, bro. You're, you're acting like an asshole, you know? And I think that's also what happens to people is they make a lot of money and then their ego takes over. They're like, I did this. I made it. Mm. You know, I'm the fucking best. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. Like you're also a miserable piece of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like you're also being a dick to another human being over a piece of yeah. paper that was printed by the government. Like get some, like, like gain a little bit of perspective here. You know what I mean? And so, it's one of the things that I constantly try to preach as much as I can, as well as like stand for, because I think 
like I was deeply in the spiritual community before I came into crypto and a lot of people there understood it and they were like embodied it really well. But when I got into crypto, I realized like not a lot of people get this shit. Like most people mm -hmm. still think that like, like most people replace God with money in their lives. That's not even just in crypto. That's it, it, everywhere around us. And totally. it's this, it's the same thing we were talking about before where you have your feedback loop all messed up and, and your way to validate yourself is something on the outside money toys women you you name it like i was deeply miserable for a long time in my life until like i was 25 or something and i realized i had built my entire validation system through outside things my i, I was telling my mom when i was like 10 i'm gonna be a millionaire like who the fuck tells their mom at 10 that they're gonna be a millionaire and I was dreaming of yachts and I was dreaming of like having a beautiful trophy wife. And, and I didn't know why I didn't understand that it was to, and this is exactly what's, what's happening. You're focused on that one thing on the outside and, and you're completely neglecting what's happening on the inside and not realizing that you're trying to fill up something in you that's never going to be filled up with those things, but you, you have your own narrative in your mind. And, and so so you believe you do until you don't, and then you crash. Exactly. And I realized like, I want all those things too. You know, I want cars yeah. and I want big houses. I want all that stuff, but I don't want to chase them based on the fulfillment or like fulfillment of the emptiness that I feel inside. Yeah. You know? Like I, I don't want to try to fill the holes in myself mm. with material things. I'd rather fill them with like the structural, the ne like the necessity, uh, like the ne the necessary spiritual structures that will make me feel good, whether I have everything or whether I have nothing. Uh, and that's been a big practice for me is like really just trying to tame that beast because I think we all have like that beast. It's like the ego or however, like demons, whatever you want to call it. Like it's like the beast that you have to like 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 harness, you know, yeah. like. And if you let it run, like run loose, like you might make a bunch of fucking money. You might be super rich, like congratulations, but you're still going to feel empty inside, you know, probably more, probably, probably a lot more because like eventually mm -hmm. like, like not to get crazy, but I think that's where all the like weird Hollywood shit comes from. Like the adrenochrome and all this weirdo, like blood rituals, those people do like, mm -hmm. I think they just like reach the pinnacle of success and they still feel empty. And they're like, why do I still feel empty? Well, I have to fucking do something. I have to take it to the next level, you know? And, and it, it becomes demonic. And so it's a, it's a big practice for me. I'm not an expert at it. I won't ever claim I am, but it's, it's something that I'm like constantly trying to navigate and like, work through to figure out like how I can at least create some sort of structural reality for myself where I feel good mm -hmm. and where I can support the other people around me and make them feel better and relaxed and yeah, build a life that like God would be proud of and that I'm proud of, you know, I think that's, I think that's like, like, I like I like a lot of what Andrew Tate says, you know, that he's a very controversial. Huh, I was gonna ask you I was gonna ask you about him before when you were talking about men and men's role in society. Yeah. I, I think he's a very controversial person. A lot of people don't like like some of the things he says. I don't agree with everything he says by any means, but there are some really, really good important points. One of the things that I like have been watching recently from him is like 
he doesn't, he's like, I don't wake up and I don't think about how can I be happy today? I think about how, how can I be proud of myself? You know? Mm. And that was not a structure that I ever had in my life. And it's something that I'm embodying more. Like I always used to, like my mom always used to ask me like, Oh, are you happy? Are you happy? And I'd, I'd always be like, no, I'm fucking miserable. Like what, like what? Like, and, and like, am I supposed to be happy? And so I think I found myself chasing happiness as a, as a goal or as a main focal point in my reality. And it wasn't until recently where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not, I might, I'm not going to be happy all the fucking time. Like, that's actually not what life's about. Like, I actually agree with Andrew on this. Like, I want to be proud of myself. Like, I want to like say that when I go to bed every night, like I did my fucking pushups and I lifted my weights and I did the business that I needed to handle. And I, I treated people who, with respect, who treated me with respect. And I stood up for myself in the areas where I was being disrespected, you know? And that's kind of, it's seeming to be more of a fulfilling life by taking that perspective rather than like always chasing happiness. Like when I was always chasing happiness, I'd just be fucking high all the time, to be honest, you know? Um, like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's the only thing that's going to keep you happy all yeah, the time. Exactly. Whether it's it, actually doing drugs or whether it's like trying to make that hundred X leverage trade, like there was always a high I was chasing. Always the dopamine, man. It's what's insane is that this is, I, I started to, there's, there's this company called, I think it's called the school of life and they have book series. And one of them is great thinkers and the kind of dumb down most philosophers uh philosophies and so you can learn from them and i was just starting again and i think it's plato or aristotle i think one of them actually way back then was saying chasing happiness is like you're gonna go straight into the uh into the wall instead you should chase fulfillment because and that's also something that I think you were talking about in that other conversation. Life is cyclical. You're going to have ups and you're always going to have downs. And what's problematic is that, for example, for women, it's more clear. Like, okay, they, they hate having, like, the menstrual cycle can be a pain, but at least it's a good, like, external indication of, I need to cool down. I'm not going to feel my best around those days. Whereas us men, we still go through those cycles. We're going to have ups and we're going to have downs. And for some, it's more extreme than others. But we don't have this physical extern external thing that, that shows us. And because we're so, I, I, I was going to ask you before if the terms like masculine energy in the universe and feminine energy resonate with you. Like I'm masculine, which we like both men and women have masculine energy and both men and women have feminine energy and our society breeds people who like rewards people who have more masculine energy. And so us men were pushed in that direction of like pushing, pushing, working, working, doing the tasks, having like misplaced discipline. And then you realize, Oh, so for the past in my case, like for the past 25 years, I haven't really, I haven't been respecting myself at all. Like, of course we're going to crash. Yeah. hundred percent. 
yeah, I think there's like a balance of the masculine and feminine energy. You know, I don't think you should ever like lean so hard into your feminine that you're like always crying and you're always whimpering and you're always, oh, this life's so hard. Mm. I've been there. I've done it. So I don't, I don't think that's the right path because you actually don't get anything done. And yeah. then there's always there, there's also like the over hyper masculine like energy. I don't think there's anything wrong Tell with these type of guys, but like the David Goggins of the world, you know, like love David Goggins. I think his message is awesome. You know, I think he's like promoting health and he's promoting being like a strong individual. But at the same time, like you can't take that mentality with your heart, whether you're a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and especially as a man, like, you can't be like always, I'm hard, stay hard. Like, I got to do everything. Rah. Like, it doesn't work. Like, you might be yeah. able to push through like some hard times, but you're also not going to have a very fun life. Like, you're not going to feel very connected with people. You're not going to ever like have like really deep, intimate relationships with your boys or with your, with other women, you know? Uh, like it's just not, it's, it's not the, the full way to take it. I think so it's, really. I think it's individual, but I think it all like, it requires a very unique, like balance of, of the two energies as a man and knowing like when to be like in your masculine, you know, and then when also, when also to have compassion and when to have empathy for people. Um, yeah. and when, when to not be a complete dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And going back to what you were saying before, it's good to emulate. It's good to get inspired by guys like the Andrew Tates and the David Goggins and the like Cameron Haynes and, and all of these guys, but don't copy, like don't make their personality, your personality. I think these guys are extremely necessary for the times we live in because the amount of weak men, particularly is through the fucking roof. Yep. It's it's absolutely crazy. Like this saying of uh, tough times breed tough men, tough men breed uh, easy times and easy times breed uh, weak men. Yep. We're in this right now. And so I'm not a, I, I don't like everything Andrew Tate says, or at least I don't like everything he's said in the past. And I don't like the way some some of the things he said have been framed because like I've listened to a few long-term, I was like dead against Andrew Tate because I'd only consume like the short form content. Mm -hmm. And then I saw this friend of mine who's a dude I absolutely respect, super intelligent, super driven, like uh, a guy I really resonate with. And he was posting about Andrew Tate and it was like, what? You're like, not you, man. Come on. You're better than this. And then he hit me with stuff and he sent me the Patrick Bet David interview. And, and, and then I started listening to like the longer form content and you're like, Oh, okay. I, I get it. I'm not going to call myself an Andrew Tate fan, but I think he has, there's a reason why many, many millions of people um, gravitate around him because he has a powerful message to share, although a way to share it that is, controversial he's intense about it he's super intense oh, about it and i think like a the missed form the short form content gets miscued very often it's very easy yeah. to do that you can take i've had people take things that i've said and just throw them completely out of context and, and spin me into a bad light so i understand that and at the same time like 
I think a lot of what he's talking about is so relevant to men right now, which is why he's so popular. You know, like, again, I don't agree with everything he says. I think like a lot of the things he says though, are very, very on point for like how a man should be living. Like he should be stoic, you know, he should be focused on his health and providing for the pe providing for himself. Then once he has the capacity to provide for the women around him and the, and the, his family and the people that he cares about, like it's a basic masculine principle that like will make our world a better world if more men can mm -hmm. embody those, those specific principles. But like, yeah, I think, I think, I also think he like probably he's probably making videos a lot different than he made them when he would get a yeah. hundred views. You know what I mean? When you're getting a hundred million views, like your 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 level of respect for the influence that you have changes versus when like there's twenty people on a live stream watching you just talk shit. <laughs> you know, and the life sure. kind of forces you to become more of a uh strategic and structured individual in your message yeah and especially after you've been through such a intense like the past two years for him or a year and a half i don't know the exact timing must have been so impactful and have like he presents a strong front but he also seems extremely self-aware and like he knows himself and listens to himself and so what he's gone through has probably taught him a lot as well. And, and it seems to, it seems to show, uh, I, I'm, I've been really, I'm getting back into like combat sport, uh, soon. And so I've been, yeah, I saw the gloves behind you. Yeah. <laughs> ah, nice. I, and I've been getting back into like that kind of content. And so he's popped up a few times. And so you're, you get into his, daily life and you see that he like he truly fucking cares he's not perfect and and like who's gonna claim they are but he's very like he cares and he knows himself and he stands up for himself the way you were you were saying it and yeah love him or hate him you can't not respect him yeah i think 100 Yeah, I definitely respect a lot of the things that he says. It's it's very it's very relevant to me, you know. Like after I went through a breakup over the last couple of years, I was just kind of like laying around, not doing shit. And then I start seeing Andrew Tate on my feet. He's like, "What the fuck you doing? Like, get up, work out." And now all of a sudden, I'm working out every day, you know. And I, I do mm. contribute a lot of it to his message of just like, he's right. Like, like when I look back at the last bull run for my in my experience, like there were like obviously factors like outside of my control, but at the same time, like I made a lot of money and I didn't, I hadn't built up like the necessary structures for myself. And we've been talking a lot about the spiritual, but I'm also talking about like the physical too. Like if I have millions of dollars and I'm flipping JPEGs for a hundred K sitting on my computer every day, like, should I just be laying on my couch, smoking weed, watching Netflix? Like, I mean, I could, it's not wrong to per se, But if I want to build like a life for myself where I'm like a, a, a strong individual mentally, spiritually, and physically, like I, I should be spending a lot of that time working out. I should be spending a lot of that time mm. like building up my body and the, and the structural integrity of my body and how I can hold myself in the world, you know? Um, and that's been like a main focus for me during this bear market is like, how do I build the necessary structures internally and externally 
so that when the next wave does come, I don't find myself in the same position where I'm looking for escape routes all the time. And I'm always looking to get high in order to avoid the stress that I feel. And I'm always looking to do this or do that or do this or do that. Um, I'm, I'm like, lack of a better word, I'm like, restructuring my coping mechanisms, you know, because life isn't like, like life isn't easy, especially as a man, and it hasn't gotten any easier the older I get. So I'm going to immediately assume like, like, hopefully it gets easier. And I, 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 but I really, I think the only way it does get easier is if I get stronger as an, as an individual and I'm able to hold it better and I'm able to work with it better and I'm able to interface with life better you know man life is suffering it's it's one of the first like biggest buddhist principles and the minute you accept it and take it as truth it kind of changes your your outlook on everything because it's true like it, life is not easy for anyone there are people who have it like objectively better or worse but the human experience is not an easy one it just isn't because we we and especially during those times like it's there's so many ways to get triggered, so many ways to feel to feel beat down. And I so resonate with what you're saying. I, I went through a very similar experience, got, uh, got together with my girlfriend a, a bit over two years ago, and then launched my um, Web3 project around that time as well. And those two were extremely draining. My girlfriend and I did a lot of like inner work together. So it was really intense and I learned so much, but it was like, it was taking a lot of energy. And then you had Web3, the Web3 project during the last eight months of the bull market and then the beginning of the bear market. So I can't uh, like, you know what it's like. And I, I used to work out so much. I was so like physically strong in the past two, three years ago. And then after a while, I, I was like feeling so soft and feeling so weak and even like breath getting tricky going upstairs or like walking a hill. And I was like, holy shit, like I can't do that. Discipline is not about just like being in front of the computer every day. I need, you need to have like holistic discipline about everything. And also because body speaks to mind, speaks to soul. And so if you're, if one of those is not taken care of, it's bound to affect the other one. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I look at myself last bull run and I like, I could barely walk fucking couple miles, bro, without being Damn. exhausted. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Like, like what, and what else would I expect if I'm just sitting on the computer all day, turning on Netflix and trading NFTs on my computer, you know? It's been a long time since I put like decent effort into like my physicality, you know, I've much mm. more been like more of a mental person, just like, okay, I can figure it out Same. of my mind, uh, which is true. Like I'm, I'm a very smart and, and intellectual uh, individual, but I also like, am, as I start to build up my body more, I'm like realizing, wow, this is a lot easier or like I'm able to flow a lot easier. Like it's a lot mm. more fluid when I have all of the pieces like starting to come together rather Absolutely. than like overly focused on spiritual or mental or, or only focused on physical. Like it's almost like the encompass of the triad is what makes you like strong and like effortlessly like able. Yeah. And present for me, present is the one that, that really 
popped out recently when when I was starting to get back into the physical. I, I'd been working a shit ton and then went out for a workout. I was in Sweden and like in in Gothenburg, so I went to to a park, like typical Sweden. So it was quite a it was quite inspiring in and of itself. And I went for a workout. Presence for me is kind of like my guideline of how well I'm doing inside. The more present I feel, the less in my head projecting, feeling anxious to a certain degree as well is a good indicator. I went for that workout and then I came out of it. I was so aligned. I was so sharp and so focused and present like right there and right now. And when you're doing this, you're so, I don't know if you've ever um, gone the Joe Dispenza route yeah. Listen to him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and like he explains that when you're present, your brain frequency changes, your like uh, magnetic, um, your aura, quote unquote, changes. And yeah, you feel it because what you were describing before of like things just magically start to happen to you, things that would normally have needed you to work like four hours on you solve in 45 minutes. And, and it also ties back into what you were saying before of sometimes you just need to lay on the couch and just be with yourself and just think. And, and instead of like hustling away at the computer, trying to get that thing done. And, and yeah, at times you just need to sit down, meditate for 15 minutes and then you get back to the computer and everything happens magically for you. hundred percent. Not a question. It's a complex game that, that can be made very simple, but it's your choice. It is. And it's one of balance. Mm-hmm. Man, that part of the conversation was absolutely fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. But I would love to talk about marketing. Sure. No, you know what? Actually, I want to talk about trading because it, it seems to have been a, an important part of your, of your journey. Although everything has seemed pretty important. What clicked? How, what was the moment when you, when you were trading and you went from like what the fuck is happening to me to, all right, this is working out and, and, and I'm, and I'm good at this and I'm going to keep doing that. I wouldn't claim to myself to be the best trader, but I am good at like finding signals or seeing signals in social consensus that allows me to be early, especially on NFTs. And that's probably my like unique trading strategy. That's different from everybody else. You know, some people do the charts and the TA other people do whatever I, I, I observe social consensus. That's my thing. When I can observe like something growing early enough and make an educated guess or an educated bet on it, then I have the ability to play that game to a different degree, you know? And so I think like Board Ace was my very first one. You know, I was very, not very early, but I was early enough. I was at like five ETH before they had a big run up, 10 ETH, something like that, and started to just trade them and started to Mm. observe how I was really, really good at the social consensus mechanism. Uh, my second play that was probably the second best play was the mutant apes, you know, like they would sat at three ETH for forever, three and a half ETH. And I just started buying them and I just kept telling everybody, these are mispriced. They're just underpriced. If board apes are at 50 ETH and they're a 10,000 collection and mutants are a 20,000 collection, then technically they should be somewhere around the 20 to 25 ETH mark, but they're at three ETH. So there's a huge upside for them. Uh, and with the popularity of board apes, like I could observe that more people wanted to get into the club at a affordable price. And so I played that really well. Uh, and then my biggest, probably one of my biggest successes was the D gods play, you know, like, 
I was buying D gods since they the day they came out. I started buying them. You know, what did you see in them like that early? I saw Frank, man. You know, I saw. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't sure at the very beginning. I was never very sure uh, until uh, Dust and Dead Gods came out. Frank and I had created like a good relationship with each other online. I was supporting him. He like mm, gave me awesome. an honorary. We did all the stuff back and forth. And then when Dead Gods came out, he he messaged me maybe a week before they came out or two weeks before they came out, and he was like, "Hey, bro, we've got this whole like we're scrapping the paper hand bitch tax. We've got this whole new mechanism." It's called uh, dust, and we're gonna. You're gonna stake your D god. You're gonna get dust, and you can upgrade your D god to a dead god. And he showed me one of the pieces of art. Um, immediately, I was like, I told him. I remember in DMs, I'm no longer minting random shit. I'm only. Buying- <laughs> I'm just buying D gods. Yeah, and that's when I got <laughs> five. Um, and it wasn't just because of that, though, because like honestly, like the dust could have flopped. The D- the dead god concept could have flopped. The art's cool, mm. but it's not like. It's not like some. It's not like the art was the thing that made me uh, yeah. immediately buy all of them, you know, and go, "Oh, this is sick." No, it was really what it was. Was when Frank messaged me that I saw a founder who had the capacity to pivot, you know, and someone who I, I knew that he wasn't giving up. And back in the old Solana times. Like that's a rare quality. Like there were yeah. hundreds, if not thousands, of projects that I had cycled through in that six month period from when Dead D Gods launched till Dead Gods. Mm. That founders just gave up. They just quit. They just stopped yeah. doing it because there was too much pressure for them. And I noticed that Frank could handle the pressure. And I noticed that he was willing to pivot. And I noticed that he could communicate with the community really well. And with all of those factors combined, as well as cool art and the dust and all of this other stuff, I was like, this is, this is the fucking move. Like, let's just see it. Let's play it. I think I put 30 K into D D gods. Then I was like, fuck it. Like, let's see what, let's see what the fuck happens. You know? Um, so a lot of the things that I do when I'm making trading strategies, honestly have nothing to do, like almost nothing to do with the art. Like, I I think the art has to be somewhat cool, but like really have nothing to do with try like, prices or charts or anything like that it really has to do with how i'm observing the founder interfacing with the community how i'm observing the community interface with one another and the overall general consensus of what is being built Um, because as you can kind of start to as i start to see like a community start to formulate around something i can make a general consensus for myself about how well i think it may or may not do that's amazing like this is so freaking valuable for a lot of people, investing is a like intellectual thing, analytical thing. It's a, all right, what are the pros and cons? What are the likelihoods? What is the percentage? Uh, what are the numbers? Whereas for you, the things you're describing are like objective reasons that yeah. you've kind of figured out. But it does seem to me like you're like you're you're a very efficient data processor because you don't do it with your brain; you do it with your gut. And you take in everything, you take in market sentiment, you've curated your feed most likely for that. Like feed, I mean Twitter and I mean any other kind of social avenue. And and you make that work for you. And because, like it's funny how it ties back into the beginning of the conversation, but because you're relaxed, you're conscious, you're not drained, you have energy, you have confidence, and you're letting things 
you're very balanced in the in the fact that you go out there and get things and you let things come to you that these that you trust in these and, and that you can go for it yeah and i'm also like I do my best to, and I think I'm probably a little bit better than most people at it. Like, I don't expect shit, you know? Like, I think most people buy an NFT or buy into a coin and expect it to go up, you know? Mm. For me, I'm, I'm the opposite, bro. I'm just like, I don't give, like, it's not that I don't give a fuck, but, like, I take the mentality of I don't give a fuck, you know? Like, this could go to the fucking moon. It could go straight to zero. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But as soon as I make an investment, especially in like an NFT, I consider the money zero. Like I consider it null. There's like, there's no reality in my head where I'm sitting around all day daydreaming about, oh, well, if this NFT hits one ETH floor, then I've got 10 ETH and then that 10 ETH turns into 50K because ETH goes to, no, I don't, I don't do that shit. You know, I don't waste my time doing that shit. I think a lot of people do, if I'm being honest. I think a lot of people have, unspoken expectations around where they want price to go or where they think price might go. And that leaves you stuck. It leaves you in this position where you're always thinking about your assets. Um, When I buy something, I already consider it's zero. It's gone. It's nothing. Like I don't have any capital. It's, it's, it's gone. It's, there's nothing there, you know, (laughs) and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm cool to play that game because I'm not like, I'm not willing to live in fantasy land. I like to live in reality. And when you can do that, you become a much more successful trader because you're no longer yeah. worried about your losses either. You know, I think a lot of people either beat themselves up about their losses or project their blame onto other people about their losses. And that's what <laughs> I, I notice a lot on crypto Twitter is like, oh, dude. I bought this NFT. You told me to buy it, dude. I saw you tweeting about it. I bought a bunch of them. Now it's zero. It's like, first off, most of the time, no one's telling you to buy anything. Like most of the time, people are just sharing what they're buying out of their own excitement or out of their desire for their fucking bags to go up in reality. And even if they do, even if they do tell you to buy something, like you're the one pulling the trigger. It's still your responsibility. And so- People think it's a little harsh when I say this. I I, I, t- I tweet about it a lot. I say it's all your fucking responsibility. And then people are like, well, what about the people that are manipulating the markets? Or what about the influencers that have inside information? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, well, welcome to the fucking game, dude. Like, yeah. it's not just crypto. You want to go play another game? Like, And it's so easy to see. Like, yeah. if, if you've spent five months in this game, you see when something is being hyped, pumped, manipulated and that's why that's why that's why the blockchain matters in this like go look at the transactions go look at the wallets go look at what's really happening if you still decide to pull the trigger like the only one to blame is yourself this is like like everything we've talked about before like there's always a balance there's the extreme there's the all right own your shit side of the thing and there's obviously the bad actors that we need to deal with and to be that we need to be more mindful of, but since we're more, more focused on the individual, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely with you here. How do you deal with a, uh, cause we agree. It, it's one of the first things you said, I think in this conversation, cause the realization you had about NFTs being that like needed addition to the web three game is exactly the same one I had. And what drove me to launch my initial project, I was like, Oh man, like this is what was missing 
to glue communities together because there is attachment. You really are a member of, of something. How do you deal with that? Like, do you ever, do you have NFTs in your wallet that you're like, yeah, I, I just vibe with this so much. I'm emotionally attached to this or to this team or to this group and I'm, I'm never selling. I think that I killed that, that part of my, like, I don't, I, I, it's kind of maybe a harsh word, but, but I think I killed that part of my insecurity potentially. We'll see next bull run. <laughs> but um, I definitely was able to tame it to a, a solid degree when I sold my last board ape. You know, my last board ape was my profile picture forever. It was the cheetah with the big grin and the heart sunglasses mm. and the hat. I'd spent $150,000 on that ape. Like I'd never spent something like I before that ape, I'd never bought something that expensive. For me, I think a lot of like my practice has been not getting attached to assets. And it's a different it's a different game than most because like when you have a lot of attention, you have a lot of followers, you start tweeting about your assets and people start identifying you as those assets. Uh, it can be very, very easy to blur the lines. And for a very long time, I did. But with my last board ape, I specifically remember... Like everyone's like, dude, that's your forever ape, bro. Don't sell it, bro. It's your forever ape. Da, 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 da. You know, and like part of what I had to do in order to like evolve and take my shit to the next level was sell it, you know, and to take my like take my human and my experience to the next level because it's all good and well to build a brand and build IP off of something, but you're also building IP off of a speculative asset that could earn you a lot of money that could actually be utilized to better, like better and benefit your life. And for me, that was the big thing. You know what I mean? I realized, mm. did I want this monkey picture in my wallet or did I want $300,000, $350,000? You know what I mean? Where I could put it down yeah, and on a house where I could utilize it to trade and make that into a million pretty, where I could do a hundred different things with it. You know, um, and so for me, yeah. it was it was a lot of it was a deep practice of not like getting attached to assets, uh, which is why I kind of like now on Twitter, my profile pictures me, you know, because like I, I personally have a rule if I tweet about something like an asset, like like a, a specifically like an NFT asset, like I just don't sell it for at least two weeks. That's my that's my bare minimum. You know, maybe a week sometimes if the price is really going crazy. But like if I tweet about something, you'll never see me sell it in the first 24 to 48 hours, 100%. Now. It's, 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 it's just a moral rule for me. I, I realize that my profile has like some sort of influence and some sort of like movement with the markets. And so if somebody else is buying an asset that I'm tweeting about, even if I like didn't tell them to buy it, they're, they're, st they're still influenced by me to some degree. Yeah. And for me, it's like a moral thing. Like I, I like to wait a couple of weeks, even if I lose a lot of money on it. It's it's part of part of the way I like to operate and navigate in the space. Like people That's might awesome. be able to say function dumped on me, but it's only because I'm actually a good trader. It's not because I was manipulating like my audience to buy things so that I could make money off of them. And I'm very very strict about that. But when it comes to the actual PFPs and and, and things like that, it. it it's, I like having a personal image now, just myself, you know, mostly because now I don't have to worry as much about that. You know, I, I think what a lot of people don't realize, and maybe this is only a unique individual experience to me and not other influencers, but I think, I think it goes past other people with large followings as well. I've talked to a couple people around it. 
Like a lot of us lose money sometimes because we're like public about things. Then we feel bad about potentially selling them when the price goes up. Uh, I know I do. I know that it's probably more a you thing than a general thing, but yeah, you know, I've spoken with a couple other people about it. I spoke with like ice knife about it. He's in a very similar consensus and a couple other people are too. So maybe it's not, Mm. maybe it's more of the minority rather than the majority. But I know like for a fact that like, when I tweet about something and I share it publicly, it influences my audience to a degree, whether I want it to or not. Like it's just natural. Like some people look up to me because of the trades that I've made, because of the mm-hmm. followers I have, because of my story. I don't know why. Just like a lot of different factors that people would yeah. look up to me. And so they trust you. And so they trust me, you know, and no amount of money is worth me abusing that trust. And especially not for a couple grand on flipping a coin. Uh, never has been, never will be. But it's also very, very interesting and challenging to navigate because like part of my, like part of the fun for me on Twitter is tweeting about the things that I'm buying and then starting to interface with the community that is already a part of that NFT group. And so that's really fun for me. But also the other side of me is trading in order to make money. (laughs) <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you got to find that balance. Yeah. It's, it's a unique balance. And so I've, I, I definitely won't claim to be like that. I have been the best at it in the in the, in the past, you know, there was a lot yeah. of things that I tweeted about that I was just having fun about that. Like I lost a fuck ton of money on and I'll assume that other people did as well, but it's also something that like I'm working on getting a lot better at and being a lot more strategic towards like, you don't really see me tweeting about many NFTs unless I'm like directly supporting a creator who I believe in. Mostly because I also want to be able to fucking sell them, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. And I want to feel good about being able to sell them. And that's that's the main thing to me. Like I don't like to make money and then feel like shit about the money that I made. Some people don't care. Some people just actually don't give a fuck. Or the and the opposite. Some people are actually looking for that using that platform since we're in such a, a liquid and small market still uh, like people with even half your platform would could have a significant impact on on markets and are actually abusing that position and like anonymity also plays a part in this obviously. totally 100 percent. yeah it, it's definitely a much larger factor when you're not anonymous and when someone can walk up to you in an event and kick your ass <laughs> or try to kick yeah. you know but it's also like for me it's also like to, to feed off of that, it becomes very challenging because then I, I, I run a business in Web3. We run rate ratios, yeah. our marketing and advisory agency. You know, on the marketing end, we uh, specifically take over people's Twitters and run them for them. You know, NFT Inspect is one of our clients, a couple other big people. Uh, nice. And then the advisory, yeah, thanks. And then on the advisory end, I specifically work with companies one-on-one to help them navigate the space a little bit better. You know, sometimes that... Like most of the time it's on the back end. Sometimes it's on the front end a little bit, like helping them run spaces. I never tweet mint links. That's my rule. Uh, I never tweet about like buy this now, but I'll I'll retweet product updates and things like that. But then it also becomes very like feeding off of your point. It becomes very like strategic and challenging for me, which is what I'm still learning how to do and how to navigate that with the highest integrity. Mm. Because sometimes I've, I won't name names, but sometimes (sighs) I have people coming to me and telling me, all of these stories about what they want to build. Then I host a Twitter space with them. And then a couple weeks later, they're like, "Eh, I don't know if we're going to do this anymore. And I'm like, guys, like what are you talking about? You know? So there's, I think, 
I hate to say there's intentional bad actors. I do believe there are some intentionally bad actors, but I also think that a lot of the people that are labeled as bad actors many of the times are just people who failed at business, who can't handle the pressure of actually running something and and, and massively fail. It's not an excuse, mm-hmm. but it is just another factor to involve in the the awareness conversation of, of like how, how this game works. And for me, it's like, as we've opened up our advisory serve the advisory wing of our business over the last two months, it's been very interesting for me to navigate that and to figure out who is really around for the long term and actually wanting to build something and who's just trying to blow yeah. smoke up my ass. Because you really can't know until at least a couple weeks into working with someone. Uh, usually, honestly, a month or two is what it, where I start to see like the red flags or the green flags, you know, and and you really can't know until you like get deep enough in the weeds with someone what their intentions are. You can hear their story and you can hear them talk about what their intentions are, but a lot of the times people don't even realize that they're lying to themselves. Yeah, um, that's been like the, the the very interesting thing with navigating running an actual legitimate real business that's also tied to my reputation to some degree, because the last thing I want to do is, is start talking about a, a project that I believe in because they've sold me on their vision, but their vision was also kind of cap and it was kind of a lie, mm. you know? So I'm still like in that exploratory phase with, with all of that as well. And you have all the right, yeah, you have the right approach and the right mindset because trend surfing is a real thing in business. And you have an outrageous amount of people who are who come to the space only for the money, which is why you get like such high all-time highs and such low all-time lows before uh, or like lows before after. Yep. And it's really hard to to know who who's going to make it. And so what you were talking about, Frank being able to pivot, best sign in the world because if someone is pivoting, is Uh, being transparent with the people who are involved in involved in their community or in their project to a certain extent, it shows that they it shows that they care and it shows that they they're not all going to succeed because you might still fail, but at least you're showing the right amount of grit and the right amount of accountability in order to be able to to make it hopefully. That's what it is for me too, man. And when I see that, I'm like, okay, cool. At least they're trying. Yeah. You know, I think like I can't say whether the majority is out of malintention or whether it's actually just out of ignorance to how much mm. effort, energy, and time it takes to build something like this. But a lot of people quit early and they yeah. just quit because they can't handle the fucking pressure, you know? And for me, when I'm investing or when I'm working with a company, I like to see that they have the capacity to try. Like, I, I don't care if you succeed in reality. Like, I'll put yeah. 50K into an NFT and say, and, and because I believe in something, and if you keep trying and you keep trying and you keep doing your thing and doing pivots and, like, learning how to work and, like, I, I chalk it up to a good investment in a founder that may not make it this project, but he'll make it next time, you know? My biggest pet peeve is when I put 50K into something and the dude two weeks later is like, yo... Not working out, not gonna do well. Peace, you know, Uh, because I like I get it. I've run, I've tried to run many different companies. I've been trying to start companies since I was eighteen years old. Like I love the idea of making a. How old are you right now? 
uh, 31. And so I, I, it's been like 11, 12 years of me just trying things. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's what it takes. Like, I don't think that most people, I think 99.9% .9 of people will not be successful on their first venture inside or outside of Web3. I just, it's not realistic to expect that of someone. And so I think there's an over uh, accentuation on people calling things rugs that are really just first time founders trying to figure out how to navigate an ecosystem that they've never navigated well before or deeply before. Uh, and also trying to do a startup, which most people like have never even tried. It's very, mm. very hard. Web two or web three, it's very challenging to be successful. Even more so with web three, because the vol yeah. volatility is insane. The level of scrutiny is insane. And if you have NFTs or a token on the market, oh, the stress it causes, the swings in, in in outside sentiment and your own sentiment. So yeah, and so I think there's a there's a big misconsumption mis or mis misassumption that it's easy or it, it like can't like there's some sort of formula that can make your floor price go up and make all your holders happy. Like it's it's I think it's a lot harder in Web three too because in Web two you build a product. You, let's say like like with my app, right? My first company that was ever semi-successful, I call it semi-successful because I learned a lot and I grew a lot. It didn't sell for a lot of money. It wasn't a massive multi-million user product, but I had 15,000 users on a mobile app once. It's called Social Link. Nice. I thought it was, I was 18 years old, 19 years old when I made the fucking thing. So to me, it was very, very successful um, at that time. And when we shut down, when we sold the company and we shut down, again, we didn't sell it for a lot. We just sold it for a couple grand just to move on. But once, once that was done, there wasn't 15,000 people at my doorstep being like, where the fuck's my app, bro? I love this app. What the yeah. fuck are you guys doing? You know, Web3, you have a lot more eyes on you and they're a lot more critical because they've invested money into what you're doing. People could just download the app. And emotions. Yeah. They're they're in your Discord. They're like engaging with you. They're bringing in friends. It's it's a real commitment as well. And, and yeah, I I know what you mean. I've never thought about it that way. That's uh, yeah. that's really enlightening. It's like that's the way I look at it. It's like you build a product, you sell a product on Amazon, right? Uh, you yeah, shipping or whatever whatever the fuck you do. You you sell some product. You sell twenty thousand units of them. The the transaction is complete. The yeah. 20,000 people are not sitting there waiting for an airdrop of their next product. You know, they're not sitting there thinking, oh, well, like if only I had a community to interface with, with this. No, they're using the product. Like I got a foam roller right here. Like, I don't know this company three, two, one strong. I don't know if they're in business or not. I don't know if they failed or not. I don't really give two fucks because I got a yeah. phone roller. I use it every morning. <laughs> I use it every night. It works and I feel fucking great. Deal is done. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> and I've never thought about the company ever once besides yeah. the moment that I was ordering on Amazon and then the moment it got here. Like this is the only time I've ever even considered, oh, this is a cool like company. Yeah. You know? I don't I think about what other products they have. I don't sit around like wondering whether or not they're going to release a foam roller 2.0. Like I'm, I'm not financially or emotionally invested in it. It does what it needs to fucking do. And it gets me through my days. It helps me stretch. It helps me like relax my body. Complete transaction is done. Like in web three, you buy an NFT and all of a sudden 
for some reason, probably because of the massive hype of a couple companies like Bored Apes and all this other shit, you see what others have done and you immediately start to expect that this company will do the same thing or will do something similar. And so you're sitting there with all these expectations. A lot of people sit there with all these expectations and they say, I want like this utility. I want that utility. And when it's not delivered, like, or when it's not delivered to that person's expectation, they just go on Twitter and they shit on the founder. And sometimes it's justified. I'm not going to say it's always not justified, but a lot of the time it's not justified. A lot of the time it's a founder who is loves the space, loves the idea of community building, loves the idea of connecting with other people, created a project, wants to build it, and just gets beaten to fucking death hmm. by people who are just angry that they invested $20 into something um, and aren't taking deep, deep responsibility. You know, I think there's just a misbalance of it right now. We focus so heavily on founders that are bad and have malintentions and are rugging and all this other stuff, but we don't focus enough on like, you bought it, dude. Like it's your personal responsibility. Stop fucking crying about it. Learn to make better fucking decisions and maybe you'll actually make it next bull run. I'm letting it sink in. Yeah. There's so much truth, so much truth in what you're saying. It's also important to remember that this is a very young industry and I'm, like, I don't think there are a lot of bigger believers in decentralization than myself. For me, it is the solution to capitalism. It is the only way that we make capitalism work. But I'm also very mindful of the fact that, like, we, we still haven't figured it out. Like, I've been building the ecosystem I'm working on and have been working on and and we had our like small successes in the beginning and then we had to go back to the drawing board when the market stopped. And now we're back to building something deeper. That's going to have a bigger impact in the world, hopefully. And like, I'm so aware that the struggle is not over that we'll have, that we'll face uh, more obstacles and, and that the scrutiny is only going to get bigger and that I am part like you are, like others are of a wave of entrepreneurs that's going to have to figure shit out and yep. to, and to set things up to like, I, th I think about alignment and balance a lot that they're like two concepts that are super important and alignment between team and community, which should be just an extension of each other. That's the way I look at our ecosystem that okay, we're a team of like right now about 20 co-founders, but this is just a part of the community. It's one that's more involved and whose goal is to be transparent and to include more and more people who will have proportionately probably less involvement. But like, yeah, that we're going to need to figure out a, to figure out a balance so that people know what to expect where it's not like surfing on hype and 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 just like playing the game of managing expectations and trying to see like oh let's not just say too much and and building real products and doing real things but yeah there's a lot of uh, learning to be done 100% and i think it like it just takes i think when you said it's a young industry you're talking about how it's new and it's also a young industry and the fact that there's just a lot of young kids here man especially on Solana. <laughs> 
Like that's what I've observed so much about Solana. I think Solana attracted a lot of the younger kids, the 18 to 21 year olds that are like mm. flipping shoes on the internet, making 50 bucks here and there and think they know everything about business. And I think that is a good thing in some aspects, but in a lot of aspects, it brings a lot of immaturity into the ecosystem. And what I mean by that is it just brings a lot of these people that are constantly complaining and whining about what is or isn't right. And makes it very, very challenging for people that are actual, actually really building and who have been through other experiences to actually be yeah. solidified and build. You know, like in reality, if you're 20, 21 years old and you've never tried to start a, start a company or maybe you've even tried to start one company, you have no right to tell another founder that he's rugging the company when he's trying every fucking day. Yeah. Um, and I think it just comes with a lot of age immaturity, to be honest with you. I think it comes with a lot of like, like entitlement like the kids think that they like should be making money because they saw other people making money. It's just not how the game works. Yeah, it's not. And when things were a little bit less digital, when there's less anonymity on both sides, if you're going to step up to someone and tell them like, you suck, you're rugging this company, you are accountable to your words. Whereas on the internet, where you have a PFP, where there's no nothing about you, it is so easy to go on someone's tweets and say like you exact same thing because nothing is gonna gonna happen to them. And that's also, oh yeah, man, yeah, that's also a big uh, a big subject for us. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that's what I noticed a lot when the people that that hate on me, like none of them would ever ever say shit to my fucking face. In fact, I'm always traveling around the fucking world. There's most likely a time that I've been in your city and in your fucking town. If you really don't like me that much, come to my face and tell me. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's that's not a challenge. It's not like, come fight me. But it's like, yeah. it, it is a challenge in the aspect of like, let's go grab a drink. And after yeah, let's talk about minutes, it. After 30 minutes of a conversation with me in person, Let's see if you don't like me. If you really don't like me, then cool. You know what I mean? All good. I ain't really stressing about it. I ain't really stressing about it now either. Like, you don't have to like me. I really don't give too many yeah. fucks. I've got people around me that fucking love me, you know, and I love me. And so I, that, that's more than enough for me. But when you're, j you're, you're judging other people based off of things that you see on the internet, it automatically makes me assume, and I think rightfully so, that you're like lack of a better word, you're just not that intelligent of a human <laughs> and you're not that self-aware of a human, to be honest with you. Yeah, that I agree with. Probably a little bit too harsh, but, but what I'm really getting at is like, you're just not that like self-aware. You just mm. don't have that much, like you haven't spurred your awareness enough to think very deeply because there's people that I don't like on Twitter too. I get it. Like there are people that post shit that I'm like, this is dumb and this is annoying and this is this, or this is that. Uh, some of my best friends, I don't like what they post on Twitter. I think it's stupid. <laughs> you know, I think, <laughs> shit, I think the shit they're posting is fucking dumb. If I didn't know them, I would probably be like, you're an idiot. But in reality, they're my, like my best friends and not because of like uh, uh, anything else besides the fact that I actually know who they are, you know, yeah. and like I've met them in person. I've conversed with them. I can see the good inside of their heart. I can see how, how they care about people and that they're actually a real human. 
And sometimes on the internet, like that just gets miscued. You, you don't get to see that side of the, the individual. You don't get to see that side of the personality of the person. Anybody, like I've actually had people come up to me in person at events and say, dude, I've said some hateful shit to you online, man. And I just listened to you talk. I want to like apologize. You don't know who I am, but I want to apologize because I think you're actually a really good fucking person. And I was acting like an asshole. And like, hey man, for those people, thank yeah. you so much for existing. Whoever did this, yeah, yeah. it's it's important to recognize to realize. Hundred percent. I had a guy come up to me in Vegas and say that, you know, and I was like, I don't know who you are either, bro. But like, I forgive you. Don't Good worry. For you, about you know, don't don't stress on it too hard because like. You, you never get the full picture when someone's never. being fucking 240 characters on the internet. You'll never get the full picture when you see a photo of them online. You make an instant judgment about who they are. And it comes with, like, we all go through it. I go through it. There's places where I'm looking at some of the guys posting and, and who aren't my friends who I don't know. And I'm just judging them. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't like this shit. And, like, I have to check myself in that. That's, like, my own ego check. And I have to be aware that like, that's not the right way to navigate, not just crypto and like the internet, it's not the right way to navigate anything. Life. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I think it just comes with a little bit more self-awareness to realize when like, you don't know the full picture about an individual, you don't know their intentions, you don't know anything about them just because you think your buddies on the internet or just because you see them tweeting something and getting a lot of likes doesn't mean fucking shit, to be honest with you. That means nothing. Yeah. And if you're really self-aware and if you're really honest, you view the piece of content that makes you react, you look inside, but it you need to be very honest with yourself. And you realize that it's just your problem. It's your thing. It's your thing to that you are then going to to project and that's like this is something i will i stand by that i believe as 100 percent truth you see this in all in all walks of life especially in relationships for example that person on the internet said something they expressed their thing no matter what it is no matter where it comes from all that matters is if it triggers you, look inside. Why does it trigger you and, and work through that? 100%. 100%, bro. That's what I'm constantly doing, man. I like That's why I like Twitter. Like, mm. I get, like, it's a direct reflection of where I'm at. It's just a fact. Like, I've noticed that the more transparent I am, the more I share my story, the more that I'm not like I'm working on not hiding who I am and I'm not being mm. ashamed of who I am. It's a direct reflection to the people like reality directly reflects it back to me. The people that are on Twitter who used to talk shit and used to hate me now come back to me and say, yo, dude, I didn't really like you back then. Now that I heard more of your story and I understand you more, like I, I, I actually relate to you a lot and like I hope we can be friends. And I'm like, I oh. dare anyone listening to this conversation to not like you after it. Because <laughs> you're wearing your heart on your sleeve. Like you're being vulnerable. You are speaking speaking about your experience. And I have so much respect for it. It's I, I try to do it at all times, you know, whenever, mm. especially when I'm invited into it, like in conversation, it's like, why not? Like, what else am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like in reality, like there's really no other bit there's no other major option like i could front and like put up a whole story and be like yeah 
I'm the richest guy ever. What it's not true. You know what I mean? And I'm okay with it not being true. I don't like, I don't necessarily need like hundreds of millions of dollars. I want hundreds of millions of dollars, but I don't need it. I know I can live off a couple grand a month. It's fucking chilling, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Um, and so like, yeah, I just don't, I don't like the whole, I do my best to not front as much as possible. And sometimes the things that I do are perceived as fronting to other people, which comes up, like brings up their judgments and their insecurities. And I'm still learning on how to navigate that too. Like, I don't, I like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to fucking do all that yet, you know? And you, you, we're not perfect and we never will be. And there's no, there's not a point where that you reach and you're like, all right, I am now God and I figured it out. Except <laughs> the psychedelics, <laughs> because when, when you have certain experience, you have certain trips and that's when you, you reach that point and you touch that point and, and, and it makes you see what life can be. But when you're back on earth and back in your, in your like physical incarnation and you always go back to humans, I, I, I consider myself to be pretty developed as well. Like I've, I've done the spiritual work, I've done the inner work and I'm, and I'm super proud of the person I've become. And I, and I, coming to a place where I'm starting to really love myself. And then I get into a fight with my girlfriend and I look back at it and I'm like, holy shit, did I really just do that or say that or react this way? And it's okay. And it will probably always be the case to a certain extent. hundred percent. Yeah. Women are probably the best psychedelic experience you can go through. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen, brother, that they are. Uh, before, cause this, the, like, it's almost been, it's almost been two hours and I'm loving this, but I'm aware that you have probably uh, a rest of your day ahead of you, but I would love to like talk a little bit about psychedelics just before we close off. It's one of my favorite subjects and also one of my favorite subjects to talk about publicly because, and especially with like smart self-aware people who are like doing it for the right, uh, reasons because there's such stigma around it that it's always good to get the debate going. One of the things that I think I've got back the most from those conversations with people who've never done them, and especially in the spiritual realm, like I've, I've, I've been a yoga teacher, so I'm in like yoga, pranayama, meditation, all of these things. And most of these guys are like, yeah, but why, why use a substance when you can achieve it uh, naturally and without it? What's your... What's your answer around such a question? It's a good question. I'm I'm always very cautious when I speak about psychedelics. And you should be. Yeah. Because, not just for legal purposes, but mostly because you never know what place someone's at in their life when they hear the story. Um, I've had fantastic journeys. I've had terrible, like challenge terribly challenging journeys and you never really know whether someone is what place in their life they're in so i want to preface it with saying that i think most states are achievable through breath work you know i think if you are intentioned enough you can mostly like most people can get what they need out of just being a little bit more aware and a little bit more conscious of their breath i never go to seek out any sort of experiences either that's one of the things that's like a big thing for me i never I'm like, I need to go do this. Like, no, it's not really how it works. Like it comes to you if you need it. And yeah, it's just like a very sensitive topic. 
to it is to to discuss because uh, while I've had a lot of benefit from it, I've also had a lot of challenges as well. It's not ever one sided, but there's a lot of things that you can learn from a lot of different things in life. You know, uh, whether it be breath work or other spiritual practices that can kind of open you up more to the experience of life itself. Oh, that's such a the the two put together are really are really beautifully said. The fact that it will come to you and and that it does open you up to a different way to to look at life and i think it also responds very well to my own experience with how i like got into contact with these substances which was i was very unhappy like way back when in in like 2014 very unhappy got introduced to uh MDMA to not uh, mention anyone, maybe we'll blur it or bip it or whatever. But I was very unhappy and I didn't really know what I was getting into. And and that experience was done for all the wrong reasons. Like when you're young, you just want to get fucked up. You just want to have like a, a blast and, and you don't really care about what happens before, what happens after. And I just wish someone... Instead of like my parents telling me when I was a child, like don't do drugs, bad, drugs are bad for you, and the media saying the same thing, and and like obviously being a, a kid that's unhappy, of course you're telling me not to do it, and then my friends tell me like let's do it, <laughs> fuck yes I'm gonna do it, <laughs> but I wish I wish someone would have come and told me like all right, this is what this really does, it's going to alter your consciousness for a few hours, for many hours sometimes. Sometimes it's going to be a good experience. Sometimes it's going to be a bad experience. And there's good in, in both of them. It's going to show you a different side of life, a different side of yourself. And you need to do it in the thing I always go back to, best environment, best people, and best dose for you. And if you do that when the time is right for you, then it can be something that is very valuable. And I think the world is starting to catch onto that and starting to realize that it can be good and but always like in the right circumstances looking to be curious and explore and 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 have something happen to you and and not like look to get messed up and look to evade or whatever yeah i think it's a very unique balance as well because i spent most of my early 20s experimenting and while i'm grateful for all of those experiences and i think it helped me build myself into who i am today i also don't really explore with them very often any any longer really at all mm, neither do Mostly i because like there comes a point in your life where you no longer need to destroy your ego you know like and i think that's where like a lot of the spiritual practices kind of lead you to believe is the necessary thing they're like yo you need to kill your ego bro kill it kill it no that's actually not like the point like for what, from what i'm understanding and getting like more of like uh like a download now of is like it's actually about building your ego and having it structured in a way where it's tamed well you know and having it like harnessed yes. well and organized well and and structured well like it's not it's not about destroying it like you want to destroy your ego have fucking fun being homeless on the side of the street your rest of your life like go have fun meditating at a temple in the fucking himalayas for the rest of your life like if that's what you want to do go for it enjoy it do your thing but like my whole thing now is like how do i like organize and structure my ego in a way where it's healthy 
and where I can mm-hmm. interface with it in a healthy way, where my ego can interface with my life in a healthy way, where I don't think I'm above anyone or below anyone, where I don't think, but I also don't think I need to like constantly butt up against it and like defeat it. Like, no, like it's, it's like, how do you harness it? How do you like utilize the energy and, and create something beautiful from it that benefits the world rather than constantly think you need to beat it down and beat it down and beat it down. Cause it's really not that effective. It's not. And you're essentially beating yourself down and up because your ego is a part of you. And by trying to beat it, man, you have no idea how much this resonates. And, and like, it's, it's, it's crazy how, again, how our paths have been like mirrored in some ways and, and similar. I did that as well, like trying to kill the ego, trying to be like completely selfless because I came from a place of being so ego driven because I was unhappy and needed outside validation. So like it creates the dissonance and, and sometimes all you need is just the awareness of that, you know, like some people, like at least for me, and I think other people probably experience it too. When you see the part, when you finally find like, or you finally look at the spot that you've been hiding and you illuminate it and you bring light to it, you think you need to change it. But just by bringing light to it, you've already changed it, which is like the thing that most people don't get. You just need to like, look at it and make sure that you're aware of it. And as long as you're aware of it, you're going to get better at managing it and you're going to get better at like navigating through it, you know, but it's, it's only destructive and, and, and dangerous when you don't look at it and when you yeah. don't illuminate it, like when you're, and you don't understand what it is when you're hiding in your own pain, that's when you cause pain to other people. But when you illuminate the pain that you've been through and you can see it clearly enough, then you are a lot more aware of what actions will cause other people pain and what won't, you know, and you can make a conscious decision in the moment, to like navigate it with skill. Honestly, man, I do not see anything that we could add on top of that, that would make this a better way to naturally bring closure to this conversation. This is so perfect. So freaking valuable before we close, uh, who should come to you? Who should reach out to you either for marketing or for advisory? How, what's the best way to reach you? Um, cause I'm pretty sure a bunch of people, if they didn't already want to will now. Definitely. Uh, you can just DM me on Twitter or you can go to ratioweb3.com uh, and submit like an application form there. That's awesome. Thank you so much, man. That was yeah. awesome. Had a, had an absolute blast. Yeah, it was super fun. Good, good questions. Great little conversation. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. The universe sings.